Hello, Cyclocross friends, and thanks for tuning in to episode 207 of Cyclocross Radio. On today's show, we are back in the media pit with Michael and Zach, and we're breaking down everything that happened in the European Cyclocross Championships. We've got stats, we've got breakdowns, we've got analysis. This is the type of stuff you're not getting anywhere else, and we're doing it right here on Cyclocross Radio. After that, we got phone calls to get to. We opened up the lines. We asked for your calls. You guys came through. We love it. It's a little sports talk radio vibe, and you guys get to be a part of it. If you want to call for next week's episode, the number is 405-CX-HAIRS. C-X-H-A-I-R-S. If you don't know how to use a little dial pad with the numbers on it, that's 405-294-2477. Give us a call. We'd love to hear from you. You'll see how the phone calls go at the end of the show. It's pretty cool. We want you to be a part of it. Also, check out uh, willaskitchen.com. That's where you're going to pick up the best oat milk anywhere. If you put in the code CROSSHAIRS20 when you're checking out, you're going to get 20% off that first purchase. So go check out the best oat milk on the planet, Willa's Oat Milk, willaskitchen.com. Also, go to wideanglepodium.com. We're going to have our donor drive coming up here soon, but we want you all to be part of what we have going on here. All of the shows, all of the content, it takes a community. We want you to be a part of it. You can uh, become a member for as little as $5 a month on up from there, and it really helps us literally keep the lights on and the servers running so we can bring you all of the podcasts we produce on the Wide Angle Podium Network. And over on the YouTube page, youtube.com slash wideanglepodium. Got a new heat check that's going to be up there in a couple days, so go check that one out as well. We got a lot to talk about on those videos. If you want to get in touch the old-fashioned way, it's feedback at cxhairs.com. You can also hit us up on Twitter at Cyclocross Radio. All right, it's episode 207. We're in the media pit with Michael and Zach. And we're doing that right now. We are back in the pit. Michael, how's it going? Bill, you know that feeling when you you listen to a good song and you hear a note and the hairs in the back of your neck and your arms start to rise? That's the feeling I'm getting watching that symphony of chin music during that last lap of that women's race. Woo-wee. All right. Let it go. Zach, you got anything? Or we're just... we're just. I don't know. I Bill, I can't see too clearly. Is that uh, Jeremy Powers joining the media pit here? <laughs> <laughs> That's an honor. That's an honor, Zach. Oh, you're welcome, Michael. <laughs> Uh, I was just kind of wondering, you know, if we were going to approach these races gingerly or if we were just going to dive right in. <laughs> oh, yeah, we should. We should start gingerly because I, that's, uh, you know, that's worth noting. So we're talking about the Euro Cyclocross Championships that took place in Den Bosch. Den Bosch. Yeah. The forest of the Duke? Of the Duke. The, Duke of the, the forest, forest of the Duke, but then they get rid of the whole Duke part. Because I, I think even the Dutch find it hard to pronounce with the apostrophe S in the beginning, and they just uh, they just shorten it to Den Bosch. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no junior races because of our ongoing, never-ending uh, pandemic situation. 
And then even some nations, most notably Belgium, decided they weren't going to send any U23 teams either, which kind of opened up the field. Uh, but let's start, since you uh, wanted to um, get your uh, ginger representation, Zach, let's start with the U23 <laughs> women. Uh, sure. So, I mean, um, so I heard a statement was made a few weeks ago. <laughs> I mean, there's been a lot of statements when we just had an election. There were, you know, concessions, there were victory statements and all that. I don't know, but there was one in cyclocross I heard. What was that statement? I don't know. I think it was uh, Anne-Marie Wurst winning on the Kuppenberg. Big statement. Okay. All right. Uh, I like that. That's a good play. So, uh, Team Ginger, uh, not always. You know, we've got some good representation out there. Uh, but, you know, I think the foremost in the uh, cyclocross world right now is Puck Pieters. And, um, you know, I, I think I called it last week. I think she has a little bit of a chip on her shoulder. She was supposed to be the next big thing of, you know, Dutch cycling, which is like the next big thing at like every age group right now. Uh, and Sharon Van Anroy stole some of her thunder last year, but uh, the thunder was brought. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if she has a nickname. I, the Ginger I, Hammer, the I other think- Puck. I think the motivation, I misspelled her name in the heat check, which pisses me off because I try to be extremely careful about getting everybody's name, at least if not pronounced correctly, at least spelled correctly. And I think I left out one of the E's and and somebody called me out on it on Twitter, VeloFax. And I, I said, well, that's just more motivation for her to stay in the heat check next time so I can correct it. So that's that was, you know, I think that's what she was responding to. Bill, do you think that was do you think that was bulletin board material for her? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, without the Belgians, I mean, we weren't able to watch it really. We're only kind of going off results, but we still had a number of of hitters in this U twenty three field. I mean, we had Anik Van Alphen, who's kinda of like I don't know, one of the new stars this year. She won a race earlier this year, Man and Backer. Uh Kata Blanca Vos, the Hungarian interloper. And, you know, other riders like Anna Kay, last year's U23 world champ, Marion Norbert Riberol, the previous year's U23. That's actually kind of surprising. So we had two former world U23 world champs can't even crack a top 10. That's how that's how stacked this field is. Yeah, it's pretty amazing how it changes. You know, you were talking about how we can't we couldn't see this race. Michael, you're a you're a photographer. You work in a video as well. You've seen how these things all get set up. So. They uh, televised the U23 men's race, and they said the reason that they were televising the U23 men's race, which took place on Saturday before the women's elite race, was because they had to test all the camera setups and, and, and make sure that every, everything worked on Saturday. That's, that seems legit for that Saturday race, that they, they would turn it all on and test it, right? Yeah. Okay. So at the end of the day, you t- turn everything off, right? You unplug everything, you power everything down. The next day, don't you need to test it again? I think so. I mean, what's what's an extra 41 minutes of testing? Yeah. I mean that I'm sure they they're paying the the camera crew a day rate, so like can't see that extends them into overtime without the nuance, Zach. Worst excuse for just not showing the U23 women's race because maybe they didn't want to? That's a pretty bad excuse. Yeah. 
Just show. Uh, and it's, show it's, it's the just damn kinda, race. It's getting kind of old, and yeah. I, I mean, it was old four years ago. It was old five years ago, and it seems like they're still doing the same thing, which is uh, kind of disappointing. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so we got that out of the way. Um, so I'm just going to go ahead and I'm just going to go ahead and point out that on two separate. I mean, I took some guff. I, Michael, you had several supporters out there in uh, Cyclocross <laughs> Radio Nation that were on your side. No one was coming to my defense on my side. And I just have to say a little bit of double vindication for Zach and his ginger hair here. Uh, I just got to say, in, in the words of uh, an immortal Philadelphian icon Philly is in, in the in the zeitgeist right now. Practice? We talking about practice? This is a U23 race. Munnabacher is saving it for the elite races. Oh, wow. Just discounting the jersey. Wow. Okay. <laughs> I mean, look, look. All right, guys. It wasn't broadcast, so I don't know what happened. I don't know what happened to Bacher. I said what I said about the statement race. I think she showed great, great skill position in that race. Hasn't panned out in the last couple races, but I'll stick with what I said. Maybe, maybe uh, later this season something comes to fruition. But Zach, I will give it to you. You've uh, you've been pretty good um, with your observations. I will say one one fun little fact that I uh, came across for uh, probably for a blog post that I'm doing. But uh, in 2017, that was the year that Anne Marie Worst, who uh, spoiler alert, we're going to talk about soon, won the U23 World Championship. She finished a distant third at Dutch Nationals that year in the U23 race behind one man and backer who was only 18 at the time. Uh, so kind of uh, interesting little tidbit, uh, you know, that she had like that. I would say that that would be a statement. I'm just going to throw that out there. Um, but you know, she hasn't necessarily replicated best finish at U23 worlds has been fifth place a couple times, you know, we've seen where Anne Marie worst has gone on to. So I don't know, just kind of an interesting little tidbit, but also kind of showing some of that potential that we definitely have seen from her this year. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I'm assuming that uh, all of these women will be back into the elite race for Neil, which is happening for us. We're recording this Tuesday night, so it'll be happening mere hours from now. Uh, they'll be lining up. So, yeah, we'll see. We'll see what that, even though she's not able to wear it in the race, we'll see if the power of that Eurochamp jersey uh, puts, uh, puts Puck Pierce uh, farther up into the standings. We should probably talk about the elite women's race. Do we want to quickly mention the U23 men's, or should we uh, table that until? <laughs> we we, uh, we turned the cameras off, sorry. Okay. Ryan Camp, taking it. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else? Yeah, we should. Uh, th- this, was, um, this was actually an uh, interesting one, just because I think, I think the two favorites here were, were Thomas Main and Ryan Camp, and it seems like, um, Ryan Camp was was the cream of the crop out here. You know, won the world championship, came back, won this race. No Belgians out there, which really sort of skews the field. I think this was the race that felt it the most without them in there. You know, guys like if Tony. you're Ryan Camp at this point, do you get your friends to call you Ryan Champ? Oh man. Well, isn't like uh, isn't Dutch? Isn't it like Campione? Isn't it? KMP AMP already oh, isn't he already oh, the comp? Okay, well then, <laughs> he's like I don't have to. I already am. Beautiful. Yeah, Beautiful. that makes the headlines really easy, doesn't it? Oh yeah, Campion? there's so many puns like yeah. Campion. 
Yeah. All right, let's talk about the elite women's race. Uh, I want to start, though. So this track actually was the European champs, or it was at this venue, the same city, two years ago. That was won by Anne-Marie Worst. Uh, Worst was best, as the headlines would read. I mean, what did you guys think? Uh, you know, it was kind of flat. We had some section in the woods, but I think your average cyclocross naysayer would probably be kind of complaining about this course. Really? Like, uh, I'm sorry, what, why? Because like, I, I, I liked it. Because it was flat. It had- and it was seemingly "quote unquote" boring. It's interesting. I thought this. I, I I like this course. Maybe I was just I like the the sort of setup to this course and the 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 light and the wares along the river, the water. But I thought this had a lot had a nice mix of power. But then these really interesting pinch points, which were these these two whoops um, that that really played a big part of the uh, race. And we had two two big sand traverses, which once again sand. Uh, you know, plot point for the uh, 2020 season. Um, so I don't know. I guess I like this course. I think we've had some interesting feedback about what makes a course um, on the media pit, but I thought it was enjoyable. But Zach, enlighten me more on what you think maybe could have been better at it. Or, well, I don't yeah. know. I mean, it was just a flat venue. I feel like any time that we have a flat venue that, uh, I mean, the people out there complain, oh, it's flat, it's a grass crit, blah, blah, blah. And I don't think that was necessarily the case because I think it reminded me a little bit of last year's Euros, that weird course in Italy with just like turn after turn after turn. And so uh, you saw where, I mean, we'll get to it, but there were spots where like Alvarado had a gap and, you know, the announcers were like, this might be it. And I'm like, that's not it. There's nowhere to get away. Like there's just, there's too many stopping points where you could just go really hard into a corner to make up speed because you could just, you know, like there's, there were so many speed limits, uh, as, as Jeremy powers called it. But I don't know. It was one of those cases where though, like, I mean, this is one of the better races I've seen in a while. It was a banger. I, I, I kind of agree with both of you all. I think that the track was definitely, I kind of liked it. It, it was, it had, if you just watched the three minutes of the race, you were like, this is a freaking grass crit because it was just through soccer fields, right? And around and up and around like we do at every venue and it was super flat on the grass uh, and and just like strung out. I mean, men's and women's race, just completely single file, strung out. It looked, this, I'm doing this for Rob Kelly, Criterium Nation, shout out. It looked like Clarendon, just a hundred turn crit. Because, you know, as you, like you're saying, there, there definitely were speed limits out there. But once it started heating up, you had to hit all the technical sections perfect because every mistake was magnified. So you had, A, you had the sand section. Get anything wrong in the sand, you're losing time. Then you had some really deceptive slick turns because they're coming into every corner with high speed. You get it wrong. We saw that with Denise Betsema. You know, right before the pits, you slide out. Just like out of nowhere. Slide out, you go down, four or five seconds open up. We saw what Michael was talking about, these two whoop sections. Uh, the second one with two enormous ruts that were the bane of, of uh, Lucinda Brand's existence. I mean, she just got these wrong for the first half of the race. And then you had three... St- three staircases, you know, two natural ones, one part of a flyover that were really, you know, contributed to the race in a couple ways. And then it was back home. So I I think that it's one of those those courses that on its face 
looks boring, but really had a lot to offer and gave us a different kind of race for where it was going to break up. But it wasn't like a race of attrition in that if, you know, you're going through the mud and it's whoever crashes least is going to win. This was a more who was ever on their game was able to ride it smoothly without mistakes was going to have a much better chance because, as I said, any little mistake was just magnified because it just opened up the gas because it was so fast. You're right. It was no slag heap. It was no slide keep. That is true. That is true. Um, uh, so should we kind of like go through, I mean, we've been doing this a lot because these women races, these women's races have just been incredible this year. Um, should we just, should we start from the beginning? Oh. Yeah. I just sort of, just before we kind of get, I want an overall note just kind of about this weekend and my sort of, one of my takeaways from this weekend is that we've had amazing racing all year and we've seen the, the spread of winners, uh, is, is pretty big right now. You all the, 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 the Dutch at the front, Alvarado, uh, worst brand have all won races. We've had bet who's ran one races. Uh, you know, if you, I mean, you, you know, Elizabeth Brandau won the first rate we had Rochette. I mean, Anik van Alphen, just, just the amount we're not getting one rider dominating everything or two riders dominating. So that's been pretty great. And I think that's made this season so far really great. Yeah. So, well, I guess to, you know, a uh, fun little tidbit, fun little trivia fact, um, as we're recording this at this point, worst and Alvarado have raced against each other, I believe 14 times in the 2020 calendar year, and they have finished within two seconds of one another, seven of those. Uh, and that just gives you an idea of literally 50, 50 shot that you're going to get an absolute banger that comes down to the wire. And, you know, I guess we'll get to this, but I think you really saw bill. You were talking about the different components. I think strategy was ultimate like player in this because, you know, it's been my question, how does war speed Alvarado? And I think there is, I've, I've got the answer, a mountain bike race uh, <laughs> at this point. And I think, you know, she had a clear advantage in that section in the woods where she was, you know, uh, making up time or picking up time, but like, she had to get there first, and unfortunately, there was a lot of sand before that, which was very strong. <laughs> Definitely, if we're doing the tail of the tape, that one goes to Alvarado. So I, I think it made it for super interesting, and like going back, like you guys and watching it, seeing all right, you know, where are these points? Where can this race be won? Who's trying to do what? And I think that played out, especially in like the uh, it was like a prologue, it's like yeah. a prologue to the to the, the main event. Yeah, we can even start there. And the 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 one leading out the prologue who looked awesome until we got to the sand, Eva Lechner, just gets the whole shot, stays on the front. I really think that they were perfectly fine with that. This is this is where this resembled kind of a road race to me as well. Like, Eva Lechner was out there setting the pace. I don't think it was as high a pace as either Worst or Alvarado may have put in if they were out there but once it got to the sand that's where you know you're talking about mountain biking Lechner kind of doesn't have the same speed that that the you know the 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 brands and and worse than Alvarado's have and she went from first to fourth and as soon as she dropped off the front like the speed picked up just like that and then it started to 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 really spread out even more so I think they were more than happy to sort of get this you know nice, easy warm up for the first four or five minutes before they sort of hit it full gas. So if you guys noticed this, I feel like, um, I just looking at worst and Alvarado, it seems like worst is more content to kind of like play it cool and ride more of a consistent FTP 
sub, you know, tempo uh, type approach. And Alvarado is kind of like the ones that's like, all right, you know what? We're, we're going to get going here. Uh, and she's just got those bursts, you know, that worst. But I, I thought it was interesting when uh, Betsimo went down, uh, you know, which, as they say, you hate to see it. Uh, it was worst, actually, who kind of got on the horse and was the one that put in the dig. Did you guys kind of catch that it was a little bit uncharacteristic for her? Well, it was also it, the thing that I think, I don't know if she saw it, but the thing that it uh, affected was Brand was right behind Betsima. So with worst going, she knew that she could get some a gap between, you know, get, get Brand sort of a little out of the picture at that point. But Michael, we're, we're doing this early because it, it really only lasted to the sand Sonic Hunt looked awesome for those first four minutes. She was up there. She was fighting for the lead, throwing some elbows. She was getting in there, got to the sand. And I, this is not a pun at all, but Sonic can't run. <laughs> I just dropped out of it after that. So even, even worth the Sonic watch at this time. Are we doing like the first five minutes Sonic watch? What I, I what's like I don't know what they the lifeguards throw like when the waves are a certain height what kind of flag but whatever some sort of some sort of flag was thrown to to warn the uh, the beachgoers Zach do you know Oh no I was gonna say oh. I think nothing sums up the point that Sonic is at right now she she went on to finish seventh and uh, I wonder I was gonna do this at some point but Jeremy Powers has been great you know I listened to him on the GCN I have been dying for like actual like analysis where like, I feel smarter after watching a cycle cross race. He's been amazing, but I think Jeremy said it. This was a great result and a great race for Sonic finishing seventh. And I think that just sums up where she's at right now. I wrote the down the same thing, Zach. I think, I think of course, like we both noted that and it's like that, that says something, right? But I, I think, I think that seventh though is a great turnaround from her 20th, whatever she got before and I, I'm just sort of wondering if Sonic Kant sort of like maybe readjusts her sort of thoughts on the season and doesn't try to race every single weekend and, you know, does something like Katarina Nash, you know, sort of re- save for the big races, you know, you don't have to race every weekend and uh, wow. she can't, you can't keep up with those youngsters at the front. Like, so I don't know, I, hopefully maybe that's something, maybe that's a new path forward for her. Zach, I don't know. I- beginning of the season load management for Sonic. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you got to figure it out, right? Like, what are you going to do? I- I- I'm all for it. Like, let's I mean, do it. Load management. We- we've already it. we've already been warned we're not seeing LeBron for the first month of the NBA season. So, I mean, maybe maybe you're <laughs> on to something. Well, I mean, LeBron is what, like 45? So, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> LeBron. Or he- he's played for 45 seasons. Sorry. Yeah. LeBron and Sané probably are both. <laughs> no, she's younger. Uh, let's. I, I want to talk about one of the one of the biggest sort of challenges on this course was that double rutted, sort of loose rutted section that was on an up as well, an up a turn and sort of loose dirt going into it. It was like the perfect. I think that was like that, that's like the perfect cyclocross feature. Two separate, two distinct lines. You're going up and around a turn. You got to hit it right. There is really only one line to take, which is the inside line. Lucinda Brand, every, just the first two loud. The first time I, in my notes, I said she committed to the rut. The rut didn't commit to her. <laughs> <laughs> well, but 
talk about uh, the importance of, of being out ahead. She just held up the entire bike race. That's exactly so the it. The first one did first. not cost her at all because everyone else got jammed up behind her because there was only that one line. Yeah. 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 And that, I mean, I don't know how we're going to go through this race, but that, that corner did play one of the most pivotal parts um, where Warburst got it wrong. Well, and I think coming back to like the rider profile that I just keep doing between these two, I think you saw where Alvarado just has like that little bit extra pep or power, um, not pep, but power. You know, because you had to have just a little little extra oomph to get over it. And you saw where Alvarado had that each lap and Worst had it. I think she rode it like three of the five. But like you said, Michael, the one where it was kind of important, she had to dab. Like we said last year, like last week, it was like, how does, how does, how does Worst beat Brand? One is the course, but two is like having a perfect race. And Worst was strong throwing haymakers, but she did make those dabs. And she, for whatever reason, is not the rider who, like Alvarado, can make the dabs and then recover and then win. She can't do that yet. So we saw that a little bit earlier on. It might have been the third lap or so where Alvarado actually fell behind. And this is kind of where I uh, developed. I kind of knew it was going to come down to a sprint finish because, like, nothing happened. Like, she just closed it down. And then there was the fourth lap in the woods where she got a little bit of a gap. But, you know, then she dabbed and worse closed it down. But I mean, this is kind of foreshadowing, but uh, there was the stretch by the pit and I was watching it. And I know in the, in the third lap, <laughs> um, I was watching it with my partner and I was like, the race is going to come down to a sprint on that section. Like that is going to decide this race. And two laps later it, it did. I felt good about myself, <laughs> but it's just, it was that kind of race. Like it was so strategic. I was watching the same thing. And what, I've noticed this throughout the last two seasons. It's sort of the mental side of Alvarado and just, you can see her analyzing and preparing as the race goes on. And Zach, I mean, you nailed it because it was that exact place. And I, I, I wrote all these down lap two at the pits. Alvarado puts in that big burst right before the last flyover. She gets up the stairs gets over the stairs first, gets to the finish, puts in puts in an effort, like dress rehearsal number one, puts in an effort, and then lets Worst come back to her after the finish line. Lap three. Alvarado's behind this time. It's almost like she planned this. It's like, okay, what happens on the last lap if I'm behind? She's behind. They get to the stairs. She sprints up the stairs, passes Worst on the stairs, comes through, same thing, and then sort of holds up. And then the last lap, it sort of changed a little bit you know, the same sort of thing. She took the lead through there. I mean, next to the penultimate lap, but Brand was there as well, which sort of like, I think, changed the dynamic some. So that's when they, they all sat up. But you could see her just trying different things every time she got to that end to figure out what she wanted to do if it came down to that situation in the last lap. Well, and I think what was interesting is in the penultimate lap, they were just kind of like, all right, yeah, we both know what's going to happen in the last lap. And there was there was no effort. They kind of sat up, and they saw Brand was coming, and there was no no jockeying for position there. So it was kind of interesting that, like, it, it was. It was prologue. Like, you know, we were testing things out. We were trying things out. But, uh, Bill, I think that's an excellent observation. And I think, I mean, I think everyone who who was watching knew 
kind of what this race was good, but you mentioned it. Brand made contact. And I mentioned this in the green room. So we have Jamie Driscoll. He's the dangler. Uh, me, the Wisconsin dangler, to be kind of redundant uh, in, in media pit speak. But like, I feel like she needs a nickname. And yeah. uh, you, you guys put the kibosh on this. I mentioned the shark just because on every long shot, she was there. You know, you, you didn't know how far back she was. But she she does this. And I actually went back and just flipped on because, um, you know, Jeremy was talking about Worlds, which was a, a finish that this was reminiscent of. And while I was riding the trainer, I was watching the Worlds. And she did the same thing. She was just kind of like, come in, come in, made contact, attacked. I, she needs a nickname, but I, I don't know what it is. Yeah, I don't either. But the, the, the thing was, she, she was 11 seconds down at one point. And it's, you know, we always, everybody's like, oh, they waited for her at Worlds. They waited for her at Worlds. But it's like, she's just able to close down these big gaps. And and Michael, so, you know, we, we're, we got some voicemail that we're going to talk about this at the end. But just to touch on it now, she, she catches them in that penultimate lap. You know, sees them there. They sort of hold up. So she's like, okay, I made it. And and what does she do? I mean, she counters her own move. I mean, not her own move, but she, she attacks. She gets them and then she immediately attacks. And that was sort of what we talked about, what we thought maybe um, Castellan should have done to Koppenberg. And here comes Brand, does it, does it in a spot that makes sense for her as a rider, big time road rider on the flat start section. And, and she comes through and, and she gets it started again. But I think... I think as we see when they hit the uh, third, second sand section, like that was it though. That that was her sort of like last effort. So I don't know, like something about the Dutch lurker or something. She 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 sort of gets in her own way though with 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 that hill that she's crashed on twice. She has the power. She just is not the same technical level as worst in Alvarado, and 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 she's has has to pay in other ways and, and it catches up to her. So Zach, here's, here's something to counteract what you were saying about worst a little bit. After that happened, brand goes out and worst is the one that chases her down. And then, and Alvarado kind of takes a little back seat and, and sort of sits on them and watches and they go after each other pretty hard. I think even the commentator, the, I was watching spores or the Dutch commentators, I also watched Jeremy. I, I went back because I could find it on YouTube, so I was watching the Dutch version. Uh, that um, they, they, the, the the term "body check" was being used by the uh, by the the, the um, sports commentators, and I think that that's that sort of goes what what Michael is saying, but I think it also goes to what you're saying, where it's an instance where maybe that wasn't the best move for Amarie to sit there and go and trade trade blows with brand while Alvarado's just sort of hanging out behind or is she just stuck you know it's sort of like i have to do this or brand's going to ride away yeah and i thought that brand kind of messed up the um she threw a wrench she threw a wild card into you know what was very clearly what was going to happen and worst showed this where she had attacked into the sand like worst was praying against hope against whatever that somehow she could get through the sand, the second sand section ahead of Alvarado and take the lead into the, the woods. Like that was what she needed to do. Right. And Brand was up there just like throwing haymakers. And there was a time right before that sand where it would just need to be that snap. And Alvarado had it and worst was caught on her back foot. And we saw it where in that um, critical sand section, worst was third. And she had to, to her credit, uh, to, it's not Marty. Who's the, who's the other guy, the GCN dude? Rob Hatch. Rob. This weekend. He was giving credit to to worse 
fight. Like she showed so much. I mean, she she like, burned some. Alvarado matches. kept opening up gaps. Back. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, but I, I think it was that Alvarado had. She was ready to respond to that wild card, and I think that that ultimately just put worst on the back foot. Michael, like you were saying, she just made like several mistakes in a row. Also, in that sand section, you know, that was that was kind of the. If you look at how did spoiler Alvarado wins this thing, uh, <laughs> what's the first step in her winning that? I think every time through the sand, if you looked at who was where they were ending up in the sand, it was about halfway through dismount and run. Alvarado made it more than three quarters of the way down the sand that final time. I mean, she just got like that perfect line in there and was able to just keep that momentum going. And then similar to what we saw in Rudavorta, once she got off the bike, she just kept that momentum going and just was in like full out sprint through the rest of the sand. And I think that's what, that's what originally put, put, well, it put brand out of contention. Brand was done after right. that. And it sort of put uh sort of worst back on her heels and had to play catch up to get there, which, which Michael, she did. Yeah, I mean, just Alvarado has such a smooth transition from from ride to run. I think that's definitely one of her assets. And yeah, she opens that gap in the sand, and then but worse comes back. Like I, I put my note, it's over, and then worse comes back, and then she dabs again. And there's that first whoop, and you see it where Zach to speak to what you said before. Alvarado just has that extra umph to get cleanly over carrying the momentum and worst has to sort of like crank it one time in a low torque situation. And I thought it was over there again, but, but worst came back and it set us up for some more of this chin music. And then I, I counted at that last like part, Alvarado closed the door on worst three times. I mean, worst was doing everything she could to try to get around Alvarado. Like she, she was in it. She had made the mistakes, but she answered. She, she, she made up for those mistakes and put herself in that situation. But Alvarado just was aggressive and just said, no. I mean, she closed the door on the stairs, that sort of inside line that I think worse took one of the earlier laps over Alvarado. And I loved how it came down to that little pinch point. And, and Alvarado was like, nope. And wasn't that the win? Um, I mean, wasn't that the win, Zach? I mean, you get to the top of the stairs and you kind of win it. I mean, the, 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 there's no sprint here. You know, it was right. it was a pretty short finishing stretch. And it really, we talked about the sprint before the sprint. My sprint point before the sprint was first one to the top of the stairs. Oh, okay. Well, so my, my, my point was the stretch along the pit where I said it was going to be a sprint. Uh, Worst gets out of the saddle. She cranks it. And going back to that, I wonder about gear. I mean, I don't want to be that guy, but... Like she, she stands up and she actually gets the jump on Alvarado and like just starts spinning and Alvarado's just like boop and, you know, has like just that little extra as worst as like pulling even with her, um, which was the, you know, the straightaway. And then it's like a couple turns into the stairs. So that was my, I actually think that, I don't know. That's what I said was going to be the sprint to win um, was whomever got to the stairs first. And then, you know, Alvarado did what she needed to do with a clean run in there. But yeah, I mean, that would be a case of chin music too. That I mean, and it was one more time that, that uh, worse tried to once again, come around. It's sort of that back section before you turn into the start finish, the very short start finish. And, and I'll, like you said, Zach worse tried again to go, but just had nothing to get around. And I, I mean, I don't know, like we've seen a lot of sprints and all these uh, road racing where there's, we've seen a lot of deviation from lines. I, I don't know if you guys thought, did, did Alvarado 
was he a little too aggressive in that last corner going in front of Worst? I mean, Worst shook her head a little bit. I think it was more just frustration that she couldn't pull it. But do you think there was anything? I, I, I'm probably there. Probably wasn't. I, I, but I was actually watching for that, especially after I think it was the Copenberg where she was just able to mark her in the in that slow sprint, you know. And you even made the argument it was like it was too slow to really even even matter, and she could change the line. I don't think I think she came around tight. And I thought it was, you know, as as road sprints go, I thought Alvarado did a really nice job of protecting the barrier side and forcing Worst to come wide around her. I mean, I, I really, it, it really, as road tactics go, I thought she played that really well, where she wasn't going to let her get in on the inside, and she was sort of protecting her from going on the outside. Yeah, so one thing, another thought that uh, my other way that you could have won after that sprint was for worse to dive bomb one of the corners. And I think they were all on cement. So the, I know the corner, like right before the stairs, I went back and watched. I'm like, worst could have dive bombed that corner. She could have dive bombed the last, that last corner. And I think Alvarado knew that. Like, and worse kind of tried to. <laughs> uh, I didn't see anything amiss. I mean, I think worse could have hurt herself trying to go for that win. Um, you know, cause it was the opportunities were there, but it, it would have been really ugly. So I thought it was pretty clean. I think in the end as well, you know, we talked about her, just the amazing effort that she put in to get it back. And you, you, they had close ups on both of them and Alvarado's breathing through her nose going into that last run up before the sprint and, and worst is just like ever just at her limit for that whole, I think from the pits to the end. And I think that she just didn't have any matches left when it came to the end. So to bring this full circle, we started seven times. They've finished within two seconds of one another. Alvarado's won six of those. Mm. Uh, you think, you think worst is frustrated. I mean, and, and I guess uh, and I was talking those, about the power two of those for big jerseys. Yeah, well, and you talk about the rainbow jersey uh, and the power of the rainbow jersey, um, you know, and I think Alvarado's clearly had the upper hand, especially since the second half of last season, but they're acting like Worst is like this underdog, this scrappy fighter. She's the second best cyclocross world racer in the world. If she had if she had <laughs> gone one second quicker at Worlds last year, she'd be in the rainbows and we'd be like Anne-Marie Worst. I mean, that's just the power to me. One, I think just how much Alvarado, I mean, how much she owns this rivalry right now, but two, like just the power of the rainbows. That's that's, I love that. We were both looking into the head to heads on worse and Alvarado. I think we're both, obviously that was our main takeaway is, is this rivalry? I mean, right now the, the worst Alvarado rivalry is, is just entertaining as, is the Vanderpool and wow on the road. Um, so I, I, I actually checked in the, the all time head to head is, is, advantage worst 49-32 I think that a lot of the, those advantage came from the early early years um, I think I don't know if did you get the stat Zach last year it was 17-10 advantage uh, prime time so we're seeing her pull ahead no um, I love that you're I love that we're just we're throwing numbers here left and right so that I love that we're I, on the same I, page I, we're like let's go to the numbers I love Cyclocross 24. I love the head-to-head feature. It, I could just go 
for days on that. Yeah, talking about that, and Zach, I know this plays into what you're saying, especially with the two seconds. The one, I said two jerseys, actually three jerseys, right? Because they were two seconds apart for the Dutch National Championship as well, which Alvarado won, and Brand 13 seconds back. I mean, I just, I, I you know, you, it, it's weird because it's so close, but Alvarado when it comes down to it, it's just a stone cold killer. And it really reminds me of Sonic Hunt, uh, when Sonic Hunt was at peak Sonic Hunt. like, just like, you're not going to beat me in the last lap. Like I'm going to pick my spot and I'm going to beat you, you know? Cause it's not like, it's one thing if it's Vanderpool and he's blow, he's blowing Wout out of the water and winning by 30 seconds. I mean, she is surgically just beating Anne Marie worst every single race. Yeah. And that's why that Hooger Heide, once you like, slipped down the the embankment at Hoogerheide after doing the exact same thing and, you know, making her move and getting out front was like, you know, such a huge gasp like that, that, that actually happened, you know, 10 seconds before the finish. So is, is this what we always hoped that Wout and Matthew would be? And are they, I mean, I love that you put the, on the road qualifier in there, Michael, (laughs) but this is, this is what we always wanted out of them. I mean, this is incredible. This is the best thing going that I, in a while. This is great. This is Kerry. Yeah. This is uh, Kenny and Curtis domestically last season. I mean, this is just so awesome to watch. Yeah, it's it's been amazing. I, I, I absolutely love it. Um, I just want to check in with a, a new thing I'm going to call Sock Report. <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, Alvarado, black socks. Usually she wears white. Oh, interesting. I know that we like to talk about Vanderpool and when he wears the white shorts and if that's like Tiger Woods. So I just let's let's see. Let's check. Let's keep an eye out on the Black Sox. See how those uh, partake in, in any victories or not. All right. Well, we spent 40 minutes on that, so we should give the give the men's race at least five <laughs> minutes. Yeah. <laughs> here's here's my take with at least the beginning of the men's races. Now, and I, I don't know what's going on psychologically. Tony Eretz had a great start to the season, right? You know, had some big wins. And he is just, he wants to win it from the gun. And I don't know if that is him pushing the pace or if it's the sauces pushing him is is this like a i mean i i think there's you know we're gonna get into it more but i really the men's race now really really feels like road racing and i feel like they're almost like enticing him to get out there and go yeah it's almost like he's this is like sauces is the sky train and and he's the one interloper trying to make something happen um and zach i i will say that you maybe called it two races ago and and i disagree with you but Tune kind of looked like, or sorry, Tone kind of looked like Butt out there. He looks like Butt. He lo- he's looked like Butt three races in a row, and I-, I think something's wrong. Like he just looked. I mean, like the 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 Tone descent where he couldn't even jump onto his saddle. Like I, I don't know. Yeah. It just mistakes like that aren't a thing that he does. He yeah. looks terrible. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, the fact that so like he he led the entire first lap, but then he gets dropped in lap three, and and like we expect our tones and our Ellie's to be able to lead the first lap and then still chase attacks in third and fourth lap and make it to the end. So it was, it's a surprise to see him fall off that hard and just, just like look bad. Like he was like red in the face and looked like he was suffering. So, yeah. So a couple, couple laps in, you know, first, first note, Lars Vanderhaar, who, you know, we'll talk about a little bit later, but you know, is, is Lars back. 
started out this race awful. I mean, just awful. He's he's coming into the sand. I counted him at least tenth, maybe even a little farther back than that. He got a little help when uh, <laughs> Philippe Orts tripped in front of him and took uh, <laughs> took Q down with him. So that that was able to get him like two spots right there, where he was able to sort of get around them. But he he was back pretty far in this, and even Ailey um, had a mishap like early in this race and drop back about five, six seconds as well. But I mean, the sauces are just a unit right now and they, they held it together. It took him, I don't know, two seconds to make up six seconds. If that is even uh, possible under the, the, the laws of physics, cause he was right back in there. And, and this is Michael, this, this is what I was talking about. This is when this was like the Ineos of, of cyclocross here where you had tone out front, and then when he started to get a little tired, they would were able to separate him, and then Sweck would go out there and go on attack, and then he might drop back, and then it was really Vanternout who was doing most of the work out there. Vanternout would be there, and then it would be Tone, and then it would be Ellie, and then it'll be Sweck in there as as the sweeper, you know, because you don't want anybody muscling in there from some other team, you know, like a, like a Yumbo Visma guy getting in there in the way, and and they just rode this like road tactics and just just work tone over i feel like i feel like we're kind of mixing some metaphors is a sprint train or are we in the mountains it's um, a little i also both, feel like this cyclic i feel like i feel like for this year we will we'll call it the uh yumbo vismo train uh it was like it was like the cusp bus just you know vanternout was just pulling at the front yeah it see it seemed like ellie was like back there like uh just like right like sort of like um uh tail gunning sort of that front group just watching Vanter now and Eli go back uh, sorry and Tone go back and forth and then he's like all right Tone looks a little tired okay here I come thanks Mike thanks Mikey V so I, I think Michael earlier this year I think you were you're on the hype train you're on the, the Vantorn out I was yeah still am yeah I think your yeah, boy I, I think I, your boy showed I think he showed his blueprint print for like just racking up like a massive OPP for the rest of the season, like to just be aggressive and ride that, ride that Ailey train to, to sweet, sweet silver. <laughs> I agree. That's, that's totally like the Mike, the Mikey V like hop in his mystery van and see where, <laughs> see where Ellie takes you, you know, like, let's do it. it you know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of that race where, uh, Musin got on Vanderpool's wheel when they were teammates and just rode his wheel for like seven laps and like made it and then finally had to like you know jump off but still got a podium. That was that Flandering Cross. I remember that race. <laughs> I love that. That's a that's a beautiful that's a beautiful deep cut. Uh, Bill, are we are we at this point? I mean, so Ailey won the race. Um, then turnout <laughs> finished. Yeah, we know it's one more note on Ailey is that the the thing that you can see from him right now. We're talking about all this jockeying. We're talking about the sauces riding together. And then him and Vanter. Now he let Vanter out ride with him for a while. But, <laughs> and it was, it was at that same place that you were talking uh, about um, Alvarado making the big dig at the pits. That, that, that seemed to be like the, the power boost section. Uh, Cause <laughs> Ezerbeat did the exact same thing. And he just put in, it was like lap six, I think. And he just put in this dig that was insane. And all of a sudden it was like, boom. And, you know, 
Mikey V's gone. You know, it's just it's just done. It's like he wasn't even trying for those first six laps. It was very Vanderpool esque, except Vanderpool does it in minute three, and then it's it's <laughs> over. Uh, he he waited until six laps in, but but right now, I mean, he is just heads and shoulders above everyone else. So I my sort of main takeaway from the men's race uh, is at what point are we sort of looking at this as the Ellie era, you know, and not sort of saying, yeah, he won, but Wout and Vanderpool aren't there. Like, at what point are we just like, no, Ellie is the best in cyclocross right now? Um, do you? I mean, he could not get his butt kicked eight ways from Sunday uh, in the second <laughs> half of the season. I mean... He, you yeah. know, last year he he admitted he came in hot. He was like, no, no out, no Matt, Matthew. I'm going to come in hot and win a bunch of races and see where it takes me. But, I mean, he was just, he wasn't a factor. Kind of like Tabor, Euros, and then Tabor was kind of like his high watermark. And then we just, you know, it was Tone. Tone finished strong, and then Tom Pidcock came on. And so, I mean, he's got he's to win post-curse period. He's yeah. got to be up there. He, 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 could, yeah. he could be the ultimate subtopper when it comes down to it you know but if you can't <laughs> if you can't win when those guys come in but I mean, we'll see but uh talking about um subtoppers we got Sweck, right we're not sure about him I that think was a good race for Sweck. it was i think Sweck. no he this did is well. the best that he's raced since like those first couple races where he was he looked good he was he like looked, a he looked, sub he looked topper factor yeah and then you got don don soda same deal up there, but you know, still not that big breakthrough. But we got Tone riding with them. I mean, is Tone in that sort of sub topper middler group now? Tone? Yeah. He's not well. Give him okay. give him a break. I mean, I don't I mean, I just he looks off his game. I'm not yeah. ready to make that I'm not ready to make that call. Are we gonna are we gonna find he, out in a couple of weeks that oh by the way I need to take a couple because I've been riding with, you know, I rebroke my rib or something? Yeah. Well, but like he smoked Elliot um, Slag Heap across, and yeah. he he won pretty convincingly, I believe, the weekend before that. And we're like, wow, like Tone is really on his game. Like he looks great. Um, I just I don't know. Maybe he's sick. I, maybe it's just bad juju. I I don't know. Um, were you guys ready? We're not downgrading I, him from Elite okay. yet. I was about ready to do this. We were close to a statement from the uh, rough draft hero. I was I was so ready to declare it a statement. Jeremy Powers was ready to declare. Everyone was ready for a statement. Didn't quite happen. From what? Felipe Orts. Oh, Felipe Orts yeah. was in fourth place, like <laughs> yep. midway through the race, guys. Like they were like talking about him winning the race. <laughs> he was up there, and I thought, you know, at least a wide angle podium and maybe a little bit of a, you know, like kind of like a monster ride for him. And he ended up finishing seventh. Is, not bad. Is Jeremy Powers the Sports Illustrated curse? I mean, <laughs> you know, he he took down uh, Michael's man and backer. <laughs> he 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 he, sh- he called her for the win at Rudavorda. Didn't happen. He's shouting out Philippe Ors. I mean, he just needs to keep these people out of his mouth. Wow, wow. I'm I'm gonna be I'm gonna be like gonna be in tune with this. Um, so we did it. We've 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 covered everything. We've, we've covered, covered everything, it all. But we Zach. skipped the spot. Bill, Bill, Zach. Bill. 
is Lars Vanderhaar back? Michael and Zach. To answer that, we got to go to the phones. Let's check in with the helpline. Hello, Crosshairs Helpline. Uh, this is Rebecca Ferringer. I'm calling in to talk about Lars Vanderhaar. But first, I have to talk about how refreshing it was to use my dial pad to hit letters. Um, I feel like in the, you know, the 2000s, could have done that. Eyes closed. I had to really look at what each key was. So thanks for that fun little experience. Uh, but yeah, man, Lars has never been gone. I feel like he was original heartthrob to jump up from U23 into the elites and be a complete shredder. And he just happens to have a little bit of a slowdown at the same time that freaking Wout and Matthew came onto the scene and just started obliterating. But when's the last time he was off of a continental championship podium or a national championship podium when's the last time he didn't podium a world cup within the season like where are our criteria here at this point he's an aging man he's he was born in 91 so i don't know is his race age like 60 um if he's 29 i think that math adds up so he's just he's freaking old and he's been at it for a long time and he has always been a step above um who's our favorite uh, that got kind of kicked out here. Um, he really likes his grandma. <laughs> Kevin Powell. I feel like Kevin Powell was, uh, you know, consummate third stepper. And I think Lars has a little bit more oscillation. He might average out to a consummate third stepper, but at least he has solid, you know, first place material. If you get rid of Wouten Matthew, he, he was never sub-elite. He was always elite. He was always here, crouched down in the front row, here in our hearts, here in the game of cyclocross. Anyways, that's my series on Lars Vanderhaar. That's it, you little guy. Uh, anyways, have fun doing the things that you do. Uh, guess I'll hang up now. I don't really know how messages work. How has this not cut me off yet? Normally it says, we're cutting you off. Because you're talking too much. It's not happening. I don't really know how to end this now. Okay, bye. Zach, counterpoint? I mean, I, I'm pretty sure... I, it, it, she, she made a number of points, and you know, I did a blog post about this, and it was like... Wait, 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 Zach, deep... Zach, Zach, we got another call coming in. Hang on. <laughs> All right. Bill. <laughs> Bill. 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 Um, what was I going to say? I got really distracted playing the Bill Nighting song in my head. <laughs> uh, oh, this was going to be a really serious message, and it wasn't going to be rambly. I was going to make it short and sweet. But as long as we're talking about um, who's back and who's not back uh, and talking about cute guys in cyclocross at that, I have two words for you, my friend, two words. Tom Musen. Where'd he come from? Where'd he go? After that ozone thing, he just started to drop off the map. And, uh Yeah. Anyways, uh, that's that. Bye. I don't mean to throw you off your game, Zach, but any, any, any isn't uh, isn't Michael more in the the Tom Mason uh, fan club? Yeah, two name drops for Tom Mason in one episode. All right, where did you go, Tom? 
Hey, what do you got on it, Michael? Talk to me about Tom Mason. What do you want to see? Where is he? What's he doing? He's a hen, isn't he? I, think I don't so. know. She was He's almost in... about to bust into some rednecks there, though. I, the, I, if Becca calls back... Uh, oh, wait, again, hang on. We've got like... another call coming in. Third time's a charm. <laughs> Man, honestly, Sonicon still racing cyclocross? What the heck? I didn't even know. Uh, full disclosure, <laughs> I don't think I've watched an entire race yet this season. Uh, no, the fact that I'm not there and I want to be there watching the races is kind of causing some anxiety. And she hasn't been at the front, so she hasn't been on the feed, so I can't see how she's riding. But, I mean, she was at the top of the sport for a real long time, and then you throw a huge wrench like this. And I don't know, maybe she is kind of mailing it in for the season, saying maybe she trained not expecting to race, uh, and she's just sort of trying to keep in a certain shape until she can rain again on top next year. But even looking at her results last season, it's not like, you know, she wasn't getting straight podiums down the down the season, let alone straight first places. So I don't know. Either this is gonna be the season where it's like a nail in a coffin and she's gonna go the slow way out. Maybe she's gonna turn it around like Lars Vanderhaar turned it around and surprise us all. I don't know. I'm gonna vote that she comes back because I gotta, I gotta be, you know, up there rubbing elbows with Sonic Hunt because otherwise I'll be with these kids who were like super young. And I'll be like, who are you? I don't even know. I could be your mother. I could give birth to you when I was eight. I don't know. I don't know, Bill. Don't ask me these questions. It's a stressful time for all of us. And I think you guys mentioned it and it's been mentioned a lot. I think older racers aren't responding as well to this weird season in uncertainty. And I think we saw that in the mountain bike circuit. I think we're going to see it in cross. Darn young kids. They should just have their own races. So they don't need to interfere with us old folks. Man, with you guys not interjecting, I could just talk forever. This is the best way to ever talk. One-sided, no interruptions, rambling forever. It's great. Okay, bye. Okay. My... There's a lot to take in there, but but my first question for you, Zach, do you think Rebecca is uh, projecting a little bit there with the, oh, I've trained really hard, or Sane, excuse me, Sane has trained really hard, but not really sure if she's going to race or not, and then she has to race? That's exactly what I was thinking. Well, I don't know. I, we, haven't, we haven't seen uh, the Baxter get out and do the thing. I mean, I think we, we talked to her earlier this year on the pit and it seems like she was having a lot of fun, but I don't know. I would be willing if, even if that is the case, I'd be willing to give her a pass. I think there was a little bit more definitiveness that the euros uh, were going to race versus what, you know, that's part of the problem is like, we just didn't know what was going to happen. And I think it was even uncertain, like that she would be able to like get on her airplane to get to Belgium. Uh, so I give her a pass. Yeah, I think so too. Do we, that. Do we do we need to do we need to address any of her other other points here? Baxter just really advocating for the elite masters field. So maybe that's something her and Sonic can link up together on. So I thought it, it, you know Becca Becca has a masters in science. Uh, I also have a masters in science. You know, so I think like on a certain level we can talk on like a uh, a data based. Uh, level and whatnot. And I think that, you know, the blog post I did, I think it, it stands on its own. Um, but I'll just go into debate mode here. And I believe it was in her third email or her third message. She mentioned 
something about Lars uh, all of a sudden being back as if he was at some point gone. And so I'm just going to say, boom. Uh, I don't know. What, what's it? What do you say? QED. Becca kind of conceded that, yes, Lars was down and now he's back. So I'm just going to I'll leave it at that. I, I don't have a degree in science, but I do have one in law. law and the, the one of the first uh, things you learn there is just let the person talk enough and eventually they'll come around and just agree with your argument. So I, I think that's that's what that's exactly what happened. Yeah. <laughs> hey, we do have one more call that came in. Um I think it's 405 CX Hairs, if you want to call as well. There, there are numbers associated with those letters. That's what uh, Becca was talking about. But uh, we did get another voicemail. So let's get to this last one from the helpline. Hey, this is Jeff. Uh, an observation from the most recent media pit regarding Kopenberg Cross uh, and Amory Verst. I think... Your guys' positions and arguments against her uh, riding in, in uh, second behind Alvarado are very valid, but I think you've overlooked the most important uh, aspect of her season so far is that she is coming back from a horrendous accident and is just building back into race shape and getting better week by week. And I think what you saw early in the season was she just didn't have that top end yet. Uh, she didn't have her race fitness, and she is now starting to build that fitness, and by racing is improving her top end and able to be very, very competitive. So I haven't heard you mention that in any of the media pits. Uh, it seems to have been overlooked, but it takes a long time to recover, uh, let alone back to the elite level. And then my other comment has to do with Yara Castellane, and the fact that uh, the, you, you stated that you were surprised she didn't roll through brand and worse after she caught back to them, like, on the third or fourth time. And my question to you would be, how many times have you rolled back to the front of an elite race and then had the reserves to roll through an attack? Uh, that's my question. But... I think it's probably not as easy as you think it might be. She's doing awesome. She's excellent to watch. And uh, anyway, keep up the great uh, content and radio. I appreciate what you guys do. So thank you. Uh, uh, That's it. Take care. Bye. All right. Thank you, Jeff. I will just start out by saying that Oh, I'll take the second point. Because I think I, I was the one that, that at least at Copenberg was talking about Castellane and how, you know, we've been looking at ways where how, how is she going to win? What does she need to do to be able to win a race? And, and I think, again, having gone to law school, you learn how to sort of uh, reform uh, the, the, the other side's argument to more fit your argument. And I think Jeff may be doing that just a teensy little bit because I don't think that – uh, we necessarily said we were surprised that we she didn't roll through. I think what we were saying at some point, she needs to figure out how to do that and how to make that attack. And yes, I am not an elite racer. I don't know what it's like to roll to the front and then to be able to attack. You got me there. 100% true. I can't do it. But at some point, I think we want to see the people that we're watching on TV figure out 
how to do that. And that's kind of the fun of watching the races. And it's kind of what we were talking about with, you know, worst and brand in this race. And we saw, we saw that, that, that ability to do that. So again, Castellan, we, we all love her. I mean, that's the thing. We love what she does, love watching her race. And we're just like Monday morning quarterbacking, figuring out what you need to do to be able to win this. So that's, I, I mean, I think, it, it, you know, Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that's kind of what we're saying on on her behalf. Well, I yes, I and Jeff, uh, thank you. I think I guess I'll just uh, I think he made an excellent point about worst, and you know maybe we didn't mention it enough, but maybe it's just that like she came into this season looking pretty good, and you're right, she did have a horrific mountain bike crash, and we are seeing where you know she was. I think she was a little slow at Heaton, um, you know, finished second, had a good late race push, but she's been up there throwing. She won Copenberg. I mean, you know, I think, like you said, that she's getting it back. Um, but Bill, to your point, I think it's just mental at this point, you know? I mean, it's not even physical with her and Alvarado. It's that mental uh, game. But yeah, I mean, I will say, I, I think one thing that reason I've enjoyed this, and I think that to toot our own horn, something different that we're bringing um, to the space is analyzing races and talking about races like this instead of just giving results and saying, wow, those results were really cool. Uh, but to do that, you're right. All of us aren't really super great bike racers. <laughs> um, you know, so that's just part of part of the shtick is that that's kind of what what happens in this space, um, you know, and to win a race, you've got to pull through. You have to be in first at some point if you're going to win a bike race. Uh, or I guess you have to at least be in third if you're going to podium. And that's kind of like <laughs> what we're looking for her is to make that breakthrough uh, and perhaps make a statement uh, that she's she's there to 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 mix it up in, in that, that fight to be a topper. Yeah, I just want to say uh, thanks to Jeff and T-Bex for leaving voicemails. And I hope that more people call in because this is really fun to to hear you guys, uh, your thoughts. Um, also, great to meet another Yara Stan. Um, I think, uh, yeah, regarding Anne-Marie's her, her accident, I, I was just checking on her Instagram and I, I forgot that she actually did get hella, hella vacked or out of some mountain bike race. So, yeah, but I, I do think at this point, like Zach said, she she's back. I mean, she's she's there going toe to toe and and just barely losing to Alvarado. So, I think she, I think she's I think she's over that uh, injury. And um, who knows who knows Zach? May, maybe that's maybe she has a little bit of fear uh, of hurting herself again, and that that keeps her from dive bombing that corner, that last. Corner. Or maybe she's still building fitness, and we just haven't seen where she's going to get by the end of the year, right? So one thing I was thinking about is I think uh, last year we had this sense that early in the season we felt like Worst kind of had the upper hand on Alvarado to some extent, and uh, Ailey definitely had the upper hand on Tone, um, you know. But look at what happened in the second half of the season. Cyclocross is a kind of like a two two seasons almost, you know, um, in a normal year. And I feel so far this has been a relatively normal year. It's kind of like <laughs> the the fall the fall season and then it's when it really counts and you know so we'll see what happens in that second half of the season and you know is Alvarado good enough to continue her run of dominance or is it like a little rope-a-dope and maybe it's better to be not winning and building that frustration and you know figuring out where you're weak and I I can guarantee you that she's going to be hitting her running probably pretty hard in training and so maybe it'll be beneficial yeah for sure. Hey, as uh, Michael and Zach both said, we love hearing from you. Please give us a call. It's one 
405 CX hairs. That is 140, you don't need the one. What am I doing? 405 294 2477. Unless you're calling from uh, from overseas, then you need the one. So and and do it. Let's let's hear. Yeah, let's please hear do. This was super our, fun. Let's I, get our Dutch I, phone calls in here. Right. Yeah. Because I saw Bill, you ha- you shared the screen with us, and we got the English transcription. I can't wait to get some Dutch phone calls that are transcribed into English. So I, I'm excited to try and read that. Um, I want to just uh, point out something here. Uh, T-Bex said that. Lars is not off the Continental uh, or National Championships podium, and she is correct that Lars has been on his 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 OPP for the National Championships is a hundred percent. If you go back to 2010-2011. what's his so. OPP for Euros? Uh, not as good. Fifty percent. Not as good. So her argument kind of. Hey, you make your arguments. You know, you got to use the stats that are in your favor. <laughs> well, I know that was confusing. I would have gone with the hundred percent OPP plus the first ever Euro champ. Um, I think he's also finished in all three positions at Euro champs. Um, interesting stat too, uh, just out of nowhere out of the, I mean, this is not surprising, but uh, only Belgies and Dutch on the European championships uh, podium for the men. Man, guys, we've made it to like almost an hour and 15 minutes without like, I don't think we faded. I don't think we faded this episode. And that's like super impressive. Um, that's what some great voicemails and championship racing will do to this podcast. All right. We got Neil. And then do we got anything coming up on the weekend? Yeah, there's like another super prestige. I think we're going to have a double trouble. Uh, we'll see what happens in terms of how good the racing is. Um, but yeah, I think we'll have a, a double dip coming up next week great let's do it again then sounds good there's an elegance to bike racing for all its technology and engineering it's a simple question of physics How do you move a body through space as quickly and efficiently as possible? When the rider and the machine work as one, it's almost as if the solid world has melted away and all that remains is the spirit, the pure, raw, and unfiltered soul of sport. Life is measured in many units, miles, kilometers, kilos, and pounds, but we measure it one corner at a time. We've entered the golden age of crit racing, the most exciting spectator event in sport, where all of human drama plays out before us on our city streets. On this show, we bring you the news of the day and take you inside the personalities of the teams and riders and right up to the gates of the premier events in the world. Welcome to Criterium Nation. Criterium Nation.